Good morning. I really wanted to ask Luke and Ashley, whose idea was it while you were living in a camping trailer to get another dog? <laughs> but I didn't want to start a family fight on the back, so we'll let that one go. Thank you for being here with us today. <clears throat> we're wrapping up uh, our series on called Making Change. And I want to remind you again, you're going to hear it so many times, and I... I almost want to apologize, but I don't because I, I want this so badly for you. January 21st, FPU starts the next round. January 21st, man, mark that down on your calendar. If you've been to it before, you can come back for free. Um, I, Kim and I attended twice. <coughs> we were slow learn. Well, I was a slow learner, <coughs> just being honest. And, uh, man, that's awesome stuff. So um, why does the church talk about finances? There's a thousand things going through your head right now, and I want to reel them in because we do have a point, and we're going to get there because the series we talked about, um, less is more, right? More stuff doesn't make you more happy, like you know, clutter and stuff like that. Less is more. Um, stress is bad, right? Nobody likes to feel the weight of financial stress uh, on top of them. Giving is Good. Man, that, sh that helps shape your heart. It feels good to do that. And today we want to talk about tomorrow matters. It's the point. It's why we spent a month talking about what the Bible has to say about financial practices and principles. We live in a culture that is very much focused on instant gratification. And that's not just a young person thing, because we're all into it. We all have gadgets. Your doorbell talks to you, for crying out loud, right? Everybody wants to know what's going on. We want to know what's going on right now. You, you send a text to somebody, send a text to a friend, you know what you want to see? You, you want to see bubbles, right? Because, I mean, they, they saw your text. You're important. And they're Johnny on the spot. You're right. There's bubbles. It's, they're typing. You want to see what's going on. You're, you're streaming your favorite show on Netflix, right? We all want it to buffer, right? <laughs> we don't. We don't want it to buffer. I want to see my show. And when I'm finished watching my show, you know what I want next? Mm, the next episode of my I don't want to wait till next week to watch my show. It's my show. I just bring it next week. Right? Binge washing. I, I want to see what's happening. I want to see it now. Uh, when I order something on Amazon on my phone, Man, it would be awesome if you could just push the button and just shake it right out. But uh, two days, free shipping, I can live with that. That's pretty quick, right? Because we are conditioned to want what we want, and we want it now. And that kind of me-first, me-centered uh, approach on living, it shakes itself out in, in all kinds of places. It shows up in our relationships. It shows up in the way that we take care of ourselves or don't take care of ourselves, right? It, it, we, we just want something to happen right now, and if it doesn't, we, we give up on it, we walk away from it. Well, it shows up in our money as well. There's an article on CNN that says 76% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, right? 76%. There's four people on your row. Three of them, if they lost their job this week, they would struggle to make rent or their mortgage next month. Paycheck to paycheck. We don't want to live like that. We don't want to feel that kind of stress. We don't want to feel that kind of pressure. And I want to say right off the bat, I understand for some people living week to week 
is an accomplishment. Some of it's because of their situation. Some of it's because the hole that they're in. There are reasons that we're in the spots that we're in. But different decisions, better decisions can change lots of things. And I do want to say this too. There are a lot of people, the majority of people who are listening to me right now that live like this don't have to live like that. It's not a lack of resource problem. It's a lack of a plan problem. And so we want to spend some time today talking about this principle, tying it all together. Why in the world would a church spend a month talking about finances? Because tomorrow matters. Tomorrow matters. And when you recognize that, it'll change the way that you live today. So we're going to look at a few verses from God's Word. We're going to unpack a parable uh, from Jesus' teaching, and we're going to look and see why it is that tomorrow matters to God, and so it ought to matter to us. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, it says this, the wise have health and luxury, but the fool spends whatever they get. They spend everything they get. The wise have some, the fool spend everything they get. They consume it all. Then in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, we read another verse, and it kind of makes me laugh. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> I think maybe Solomon was feeling a little bit of attitude when he wrote that. You sluggard. Consider his ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and it gathers uh, its food at harvest. What does the ant know that, that we don't? What does the ant know about tomorrow? It knows if it eats all it has, it's going to be fat and full and finished because winter's coming. They know that. And if God has woven some of these principles into the world that we live in, surely to goodness he's figured out a way to weave it into us. And he did that through his word. And so that's why we're going to hold on to his word as we look at financial practices and principles. The parable that we're going to be talking about today, <coughs> I just saved you from getting cold from like the speaker systems. So you're welcome. Um, Jesus in Matthew 25, he is talking, uh, answering questions. The disciples had, had asked him about the whole idea of, you know, the end of time, the coming kingdom. You know, when's this, how will we know it's going to happen? What's going to be? The, and so he tells them the story about uh, these ten virgins who were getting ready for this, this bridal banquet and that five of them had their lamps and the oil in the lamps and the wicks were trimmed and five of them, they were just there for the party. And when it was time to go, <clears throat> five were ready. Five weren't. And so again, he has continued to teach what, what's the kingdom of God like? How, what is it, how does it operate? And so he, he talks about one story that's talking about being prepared. Then he goes into another story that's, that's in our, our text today, Matthew chapter 25. It's a story of the, the, the wealthy man who goes on this journey. And uh, he gives some of his fortune, he gives to one person five bags of gold. Money, some sum of money, right? He gives to this other person two bags of gold. And to somebody else, he gives one bag of gold. And it probably was divided that way because of what the master understood about that person's uh, abilities, 
maybe their performance record, you know. There was a reason behind doing what he did the way that he did it. And so he uh, goes on his journey. He's gone for a long time. The one guy takes the five, puts it to work. Actually, the Bible says he went out and immediately put it to work. Good guy. And earns five more. Doubles the money. The second person has two. They go out and they put their stuff to work. Doubles the money. The other guy goes out and he digs a hole and he buries it. I'm not going to lose a nickel. Plays it safe. Does nothing with it. The master comes back and the guy goes, hey, I turned five into ten. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. I turned two into four. Oh, man, you guys are top shelf level five leaders. And the guy with one comes back in and said, I dug a... Oh, Hold in the ground and I buried it. Here's everything you gave me. Didn't just call him a sluggard. <laughs> he, he, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. Again, hold on to the context. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples how to recognize the kingdom of God and the way that things work in God's economy. And apparently, there is a principle being developed in this parable. Whoever is faithful with little will be blessed with more. So what did faithful look like in Jesus' eyes? Well, he was the one telling the story, and it looks like faithful was multiplying what you were given. Because right, right, he's comparing the kingdom of God in the story. So we've got to hold that context to understand the point and not just make junk up. If God invests in you, he's doing it for a reason. He's giving you something of value, not so that you can just dig a hole and bury it, but so that you can invest it and make it grow. Apparently, faithful in Jesus' eyes is somebody who's willing to work and make something grow. It's important to Jesus. I think it ought to be important to his church. There's a couple of basic things about money. The first is obvious as far as to be able to make money. The one is people making money, right? You, you get a job, you go out and you work 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You get paid weekly, monthly, however you get paid. That's people making money, right? You have talents, gifts, and abilities, and you go put those to use and somebody pays you for your time. The second is to make money making money, right? That's putting your resources to work. This is what these guys did in this parable. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. When God trusts you with something, you have a choice. You can consume it, you can hoard it, or you can use it. But because we understand God's word and we believe tomorrow matters, it will change what we do with those resources today. So I want to talk with you briefly about investing. And, and, you know, it's just not one of those things that you're learning in high school. Colleges probably aren't teaching a whole lot about it. And just stating the obvious, I am not an investment planner, <laughs> okay? I'm not the guy that's going to help you figure out your 401k or your 403b. Those are just like numbers and letters, man. I don't, I don't have that wrapped up and figured out. I do know Bible. I do know Bible. And uh, this is one of those things that that is spelled out in things like 
Financial Peace University that starts January 21st. Have I said that before? Just want to make sure you got that. <clears throat> uh, but I want to make sure you understand who I am and what I'm not. Um, I want to give you a few investing principles. You may have heard some of these before. Principle number one, never invest in things we don't understand. Well, that seems like common sense, right? Don't invest in things you don't understand. <clears throat> Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it's established. In other words, if you want to make something, if you want to build something, you need wisdom. If you want to build your wealth, you want to build your, your you need wisdom. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. We want to understand something before we invest in it. I'll, I'll give you a, a, an example of um, bad decision-making and investing. <clears throat> uh, when I first came to MCC, online stock trading was like just coming out of the chute. It was becoming a thing, and, and the guys that were on staff here, they were kind of playing with it like it was a game and stuff. So I was like, I don't know what stocks are. I, sure, that's fine. I'm from Kentucky. Stockyard is a whole other thing where I come from. <laughs> and uh, they started doing things. They said, paper trade so you don't lose any money and all that kind of stuff. I'm playing along, and it's doing okay. I made a little bit of money. I lost a little bit of money. No harm, no foul. It wasn't a big deal. And then somebody said, oh, have you ever done options? I'm like, options? Is that like brown shoe, black shoe? What, what are we talking about? Options? I don't know. Oh, but it's this opportunity when you buy the right to buy something in the future at a certain price, and it might be, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Said, well, this guy did it, and this is what he made. And I'm like, dang, really? <laughs> Let's talk about that. So I, I invested 500 bucks in this thing. I still can't tell you a whole lot more than what I just said about what an option is. And it, if I would have purchased $500 worth of Diet Dr. Pepper <clears throat> and kept the cans... <laughs> my return on investment would have been better with the pop than it was with the stock. So we don't invest in things we don't understand, right? Principle number two, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Did you ever hear grandma say that? She was smart. The Bible says that too. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. You want to talk about the Bible knows about finances and stuff like this. This is the Bible saying diversify. Are you with me? But divide your investments among many places for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. You're going to, when you learn about some things, you involve some people who are professionals, who have experience, who can help you make wise decisions. You start doing things and you put it here and you put some there because if you've got all your eggs in one basket and you fall, you know what you got? An omelet right? You're out of eggs. So you're going to, you're going to uh, make those investments in different places. Investing is a little bit like manure, right? Um, you know what you have when you have a lot of manure in one pile? Stink. It's a pile of stink. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't help anything. But you take that same pile and you spread it around through the field and you're going to make stuff grow. So we're going to take, as we start learning and start practicing some of these principles, we're going to spread it around so that we don't have to worry about one sector or one part of it just failing or going under because you're spread around, right? Investing principle number three, don't try to get rich quick. 
Don't try to get rich quick. Paul, speaking to his young disciple Timothy, says in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 9, those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Wait a minute, you're talking, to, you're ta- you're talking about investing and you know, building margin and building wealth, and then you're telling me it's a trap. What's a- it's perspective. If you're chasing wealth like it's priority number one, you're making it God, and things go bad when anybody but God plays the role of God in your life. And so he was telling Timothy, uh, probably in, in those things, I don't know if multi-level marketing was happening back then, but, you know, maybe it's Amway, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, <laughs> and it's been around for a long time, I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, when we start following kind of things like that, we start, we, we battle greed. And when we're greedy, we're not objective when we're not objective, we become self-centered and we want it now. And so there's a lot of people who are living like that. And, and a life that's just pursuing the next dollar, it's a life that lacks peace. It's living off mission, right? You're not looking for the plan God has for your life. You're, you're, you're likely to fall into a trap. You become vulnerable to the enemy who will lure you farther and farther away from pursuing the path of Christ. So be wise. Those easy money marketing plans are going to change your life, right? They probably will. At the cost of your startup kit or the whatever it is that you're trying to buy, or, or, or it's going to cost you something. That secret investment tip that you got emailed came through the World Wide Web. It's not a secret, it's a sales pitch, right? When something seems too good to be true, it probably is, right? Solomon says in Proverbs 13, 11, he says that dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers it little by little makes it grow. And I don't know if you've got notes or somewhere like that, but that little by little, man, you need to circle that. Because a lot of the reason that people won't start doing something different with their finances is because they feel like it's too big a hole. I can't make this big, huge change. I can't do something. Little by little. Can you do that? Little by little. Make a change. Feel the, the, the success of a small win. If you look in your notes, I put a formula in there that I stole from someplace else. Uh, but it will help you create margin, create wealth. You're going to have to be faithful. And let me tell you right now, margin is wealth. And wealth is not a dirty word. We, we live in a time where it seems like anybody who's achieved any measure of success is just a bad person. And, and that is just messed up. Okay? Can, I, can, I, can we just agree on that? If somebody has worked hard and achieved something, that's not wrong. That's godly. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who has wealth is doing it God's way, and I'm not saying that people who don't have a nest egg is, are, are, are not godly people. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but hear what God's word says. He has a plan, and he doesn't want you to live under financial stress. You, you ever remember milestones in your life? This is a weird one for me. 
I remember the first time that I went to um, a car repair place and I bought four tires. Some of you chuckling right now because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Why didn't I buy four tires all the time? I couldn't afford four tires at one time. So I put two tires on the drive axle and took the other tires and made the best ones that were there on the back. And then I rinse and repeat, right? When I save up enough money, I do, I do the thing. Buying four tires at one time. I remember walking in and saying, I need four tires. <laughs> and he looked at me like, it's a car, man. There's there only four options. <clears throat> it still was a big deal for me because I knew this was a, this was a different day. Because I did things differently, I got to live a different day. Man, that felt good. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. And if wealth is just a hard thing that hangs up, just call it margin. Okay? But let me remind you, it's a lot easier to do good and bless somebody who's struggling when you have something to do good with. Okay, let's just hold on to that. At MCC, we teach a very simple plan, 10-10-80. Have you memorized it yet? Easy to go, 10-10-80. 10% belongs to God. Actually, it all belongs to God. But 10% we give back to God, right? So I just look at my check and move the decimal point, and that's his. The next time, 10%, 10-10, that's mine. I'm going to save it. Like if you're an FPU person, you're going to, like your baby uh, emergency fund, like your Murphy money, something's going to break. What are you going to do when it breaks? You're going to have, I'm going to save some of my money. You get that built up and it's, it's this thing that can handle, you know, three months of expenses and stuff like that. Well, then you're going to start maybe doing something to invest in for your retirement and things like that, right? Right, don't, I started saving for my retirement when I was 30 years old. I'll probably work till lunch on the day I die, but, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? So 10, 10, 80, 80 is you live on what's left. You, you're disciplining yourself. You're putting God first, not by just showing up and sitting in a chair. You're putting God first because you're giving back to him 10% of whatever he's given to you. And that says in a very tangible, practical way, I trust you, not my money. You provide for me, not me. 10% of it is saving so we don't get called a sluggard when we die and go to heaven. <clears throat> right? So we save dollars to consume it. Come on, work with me, people. Uh, and, and then we, we live on the 80%. That's a real simple plan. When we understand that tomorrow matters, it will change the way we do today. Some of you right now are in those tough times. You're in that season where you can barely make it from week to week. You're trying to figure out how much groceries you can buy because this thing happened, and you're, and you're trying to make things balanced. And man, I hate that for you, but I want to tell you the truth. What you're living with is not just a more money problem. It's a better plan problem. You don't have to live like that forever. Because less is more, and financial stress is bad, and giving is good, and friends, tomorrow matters. So do stuff differently. Make better decisions. Better decisions practiced over time consistently will change your circumstances. The point of, 
a month-long series on finances wasn't so the church could get more of your money. And I know sometimes when you talk about finances, somebody's thinking, the church just wants more of my money. Friend, I love you. God bless you. If that's what you think, keep it. Just, just keep it. We, we don't need that. It's not about guilt. It's not about anything else except perspective and positioning ourselves to be the blessing when God is ready to unleash the church on the world he died to save. The point of a month long wasn't to teach you to make better financial decisions so you could keep more of your money and have more stuff. We'd just be greedy, selfish, self-centered. Oh, man, that'd be nasty. The point of spending a month talking about finances are so that we would recognize that we are stewards because it's all from God, but it's not all for us. God wants us to live in such a way that we can enjoy this life. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. He's all about teaching us. Work hard and enjoy the fruit of your work. It's written all over that book. Work hard and love it. Enjoy the blessings of that hard work and be the blessing to people who are around you. You see, we are a church that makes disciples who make disciples. We are a church who show people how to love God, love people, and live on, <clears throat> live on mission. And as a pastor, man, I, I can tell you what I hope. I hope that you become great investors. And I'm not at all talking about money. The best investment that Jesus made while he was hanging out here on this place was in 12 people who walked the walk with him, who walked and ate and slept and listened and heard and had it explained and explained again because they weren't the sharpest tools in the shed. He invested in those 12 people. Not everybody made it. They had a replacement. Yeah, okay, I get that. But he invested in those 12 people. And those 12 people went out and they did something under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and you were sitting in a room because of their faithfulness. The blessing was God's, but their faithfulness was the thing that was blessed. I hope you become a great investor. There are three lines on your bulletin. It's on the version Bible app too, but family, church, legacy. It seems like every year I end up with a funeral sometime in the holidays, and, and, and it's, I got one Wednesday. And you know, you start doing, uh, prepare for a, a message for a funeral, and it's the holidays, and man, it's just, it's hard. But one of those things you think about is like, I wonder what they'd say about me one day going to happen, right? What, what would they say about me? And I put those blanks out there for you today because I want you to answer that question. I want you to honestly assess your stewardship of the resources that God has trusted to you and your families first. How are you loving those people? How are you taking care of them? Do they know that right behind God, they're next. Have you shown them by the way that you love and live and, and serve and, and plan for their future? What about your church? Does your church 
rank on those scales? Is it going to be one of those things they talk about when you punch out? Man, they, they, they served and they did and they, they gave and they, they modeled what they, what are you going, what's going to be that line filler for you? And those two first lines, that is the third line. That is your legacy. That's what we leave behind. So I want to ask a, a little broader question as we wrap up this series. We've talked about less is, is more. We've talked about getting out of debt. We've talked about living generously today. We've talked a little bit about investing. So now I want to ask a big question, and I hope you take it seriously. Has God been showing you something about one of these four areas? Have you felt that little uncomfortable, uh, you think about it on Tuesday? Is, is, that, is that what's going on for you? I want to remind you that that's likely the, the Holy Spirit reminding you that today doesn't have to be repeated tomorrow. It can be different. But you've got to choose differently. We have to respond to what God's showing you today and learn a better way so that tomorrow can be different. Yeah, the, the mess that we get in is not going to be fixed overnight. Tomorrow can be a little different, but friends, in a few short years, you can find yourself in a very significantly different place than you are today with a better plan and biblical principles. You're going to have a story that's going to make people go, you did what? You're going to have a story. It's going to be a testimony. It's not going to be overnight. You can't run a marathon after training for a day. But it will take a decision. God, I want to do today what will honor you and make a difference in years to come because I understand, I believe Tomorrow matters. Tomorrow matters for a thousand reasons. One day our life is going to be over on this earth. And the Bible tells us that our life is like a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So often we live for today that we forget to recognize the truth of tomorrow matters more than anything. And we will spend our eternity somewhere, right? Heaven, they say, is a prepared place for a prepared people. That we get to go because of what Jesus has done for us. And we don't like to think about the other option, but it's a very real place too. And some scholars today who, who sell their books in Christian bookstores are trying to talk us out of that hell is, isn't a real place. And, and, and if that's the case, then Jesus was a liar because he talked about it. He taught about it. So that we would understand and be motivated not to just flee from punishment, but to recognize by comparison the gift of God or the consequences of my bad decisions. Every single one of us have recognized that we've sinned against God. You may not have said it that way, but you know sometimes in those quiet moments, the feeling that you have when you're just thinking and it's you and your thoughts. And you know sometimes things aren't quite right. And in those quiet moments, we get this gut feeling that everything isn't okay. And maybe you've tried to talk yourself into, I'm just going to do better. I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. And, and you have the same conversation 
three months, five months, a year later. Because friends, if we could fix it for ourselves, we'd all do that. But we're trying to solve a debt problem that's God-sized. And so God said, I'll do something about it myself. The truth is that sin separates us from God. And so God sent his son in the flesh to live a life that was without sin, to show us what all those other scriptures meant, to give us an example of what it looks like when we don't know how to live it out. And then he died in my place and in yours to forgive me for the sins that I've committed, the things that I've done, the things that we've done. And on the third day, that stone was rolled away to reveal an empty grave because he conquered that last enemy. He, he solved a problem that we can't solve for ourselves, and he paid that price for my sin and yours so that anyone who accepts this free gift can be different. You see, G Jesus didn't die just to keep you out of hell. He died so that he could make you new. Don't you want that? If you're a Christ follower and you're still struggling with the same stuff that you struggled with before Jesus, I mean, don't you want that new life? Don't you want that next level? Don't you want a story that's, that's motivating and powerful? It's waiting for you. When you recognize tomorrow matters, we turn to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the gift that you've given us, for the life of Jesus, that we can look to his words and the way that he loved people, the way that he treated people, the things that he taught, the things that were important, that we'd have something to hold up as a light. So God, right now as we take this break, we take a piece of bread and we take a cup of juice, we remember what the consequences of my bad decisions were. Jesus, I thank you so much for doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. Holy Spirit, help us to recognize the things that are separating us from you and give us the courage and the wisdom and put people in our path that will change our steps, that we will walk where you've called, that we will agree with you as to what is right and what is wrong, that we will value the things that you have called valuable, and that we will position ourselves in a way to be the blessing and someone else needs a hand. We want to honor you because of what you've done for us. We thank you for that great love, and we pray this all in Jesus' name.